Ladies and gentlemen, it is a sad day. This will be my last episode because I was sent in a group chat the word S-E-G-G-S-I and I worded it out out loud and now I'm going to jump off the nearest cliff. In the words of Public Enemies Chuck D, bring the noise. On the 5th M Podcast Network, I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Honestly, it's been a solid week. Like, I, honest, I, I, I'm being dead honest. Like, in, in the past week for me personally, it has been, you know, eventful. But the fact that I've come out of it unscathed, very solidly, um, I'm, ha- I'm, I'm good. I'm 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 good, you know. I I'll, I have uh, one of the segments is uh, me talking about one of the things I did, so you know I hold up on that. But you know, we celebrated uh, in search of sources uh, second anniversary on Monday. Go peep that. Uh, that's the uh, episode of well, the whole show itself is in the full show notes. Go give that a spin. Um, yeah, man, that was uh, really fun, and uh, it was a really sweaty edit. <laughs> um, I, it was really, really, really sweaty. Um, you know, obviously, DITD is continuing the UK Black History Month celebrations. Go peep that. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just happy, and I've, uh, you know, I've got some, uh, I have some potential work going uh, onwards after October. So you know, I'm, I'm, it's all looking good in the hood, and I, I sometimes hate doing that. I sometimes hate. You know, um, vocalizing not not straight up dubs, but just potential dubs. You know what I mean? Because that leaves that leaves I don't know just a a chance for the dub to backfire on me and become an L. Um, I'm just so ugh, I'm just one of those people that get like I don't I don't like vocalizing a dub unless it's like you know concrete. You know, <laughs> if that, that shame moving, you know what I mean. I do, if there's any, if there's any iota of fluidity, I am not speaking out on it. You know what I mean. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to vocalize these dubs. Okay, I'm trying to vocalize these dubs. Obviously, the podcast dubs. You know, that's that's, that's easy because you know once the once the episode is published, I can gas it up as much as I want, right? But when it comes to just like, you know, work dubs and stuff like that, uh, I don't know, it's just hard sometimes, you know, it's hard to think because shit can just turn on you like a, really on a dime, honestly, um, especially in my my line of work. So, you know, it's it's hard, but, um, you know, I'm going to take it, I'm going to take it. I think I have a dub. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. See, I'm, I'm. I'm working on it. I'm. I don't know if I have a dub, but I might have a dub. Let's just. Let's just do that. Um, we'll see how it goes. Uh, but it's looking. Co- it's. 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 I. I got some signs of concrete. Uh, this past week. You know what I mean. So that's all good in the hood. Uh, it's not completely concrete. You know what I mean. I still got to do some stuff, but we'll see how that goes. We'll see how it goes. I can't wait till the end of the month. Honestly, like this month cannot end any quicker. Got two over two weeks left. Fuck. Oh, so long left, so long left. Over half the month left, and I just need to end right quick. Um, but anyway, let's go on to the show. We have a all film episode. This one, uh, th- this episode. Um, I-, I think I've done. I think I've done a all something. Ep- I've done a couple of all life. I know that for sure. 
Um, maybe you've done an all. I've done all something. I, I, maybe in film and TV. I'm not sure, but I, I know for sure I've done uh, uh, all life. I've done that at least two, three times. Um, but yeah, we have an all film. I was just, I was just, you know, I was sorting out the docket. You know, at the start of the uh, start of the what's good week, which is Friday, right? And um, you know, I just got like two. I had like one film and TV. I had one of the segments in the bag already. I've been sitting on that for a minute, and then I had, a, and then I got another one, and I got another one. I was just like, oh, I've got three now. Might as well just make it a four. Um, I did have a music segment, but I've, I've moved that to ISOS um, since I'm hosting. Uh, well, not hosting, but since I'm gonna be uh, making an appearance next episode, which will be fun. Uh, so I thought, you know what? Fuck it. All film segment. Let's push that music. Let's push, push that. What I was gonna do for the music segment. Gonna take that over to ISOS next week. So go peep that if you want to go. If you want to know what, what I was going to talk about um, in uh, more uh, journalistic detail. Um, <laughs> I I try, uh, but very badly. But anyway, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. So uh, regardless of that, for now it is it all film. Uh, episode and I cannot be happier. It's, it's, it, it makes me happy uh, just you know talking about film and TV. Just ugh, I love it because because I, I really do. I feel like out of the four, maybe sports is lacking as well. I don't know. I need someone to like go through every episode for me and see like you know the rankings for how many times I've done a certain se- uh, done a certain subject um, out of the four. I know life is definitely top, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. What, what, where film, TV, sports, and music uh, drop, you know, in terms of rankings. But anyway, it's all film. All films getting four. Film for TV is getting four this uh, this uh, this week. So happy happy days. And with that said, for me, before we begin, email to IG, Discord link, all that, all that, all that, in the in the full show notes. Please go peep the links. I'll be reading this episode. Help the writers that make this show possible. And with that said. Let the beat drop. Let's get into the show. In a week where Poland is thinking about leaving the EU. Go on. Do it. Just do it. I'm here for the carnage. I'm I'm just I'm just here for when it comes to politics. Now I'm just here for anarchy. Just do it, do it. See what happens. Uh, China, Taiwan tensions rise. That's going to be uh, yeah. That's uh, a saucy. Uh, Tyson Fury knocks out Deontay Wilder in the eleventh round to retain the WBC heavyweight title and win second fight in matchup trilogy. Yeah, that was um. I saw I saw the highlights of it. You know, what I mean, I just saw the main stuff, and uh, yeah, it was a real uh, as a uh, Jr. Uh, calls it in the wrestling terms, a slobber knocker. Um, yeah, it wasn't like you know technically sexy to look at, but it was just two dudes just fucking whacking each other, and you know, who's who's not here for for that kind of that kind of fighting? You know, what I mean, it's just just waiting on waiting on each other. That's what uh, we're here for. Um, but now it's but now the fun the fun stops and now it's going to be all talk uh, for nine months of uh, people ducking each other and chatting shit and the fights that people want not happening etc etc blah blah blah. That's that's when I stop caring. <laughs> Covid nineteen pill could be on the horizon. Um, yeah, that's that's a thing. That's that's on literally very close actually. Um, Go look it up. It's a fascinating story. And uh, lastly, seventy-five fires are called in as a uh, called in as a flat in Battersea, 
burst into flames. Um, yeah, I saw that a couple of days ago, and it scared the shit out of me because I thought I was looking at another Grenfell. Um, so it it didn't. Um, luckily, um, it, it was uh, it was put out. But yeah, I just saw a couple of videos from it. I saw Battersea trending. I was like, oh, oh gosh. And then uh, yeah, I saw that, and I was just like, fuck, no way, not again, seriously. Um, because mate, if it does happen, woo government's got some shit on their hands. Trust me on that. If that ever happens again. I mean, I mean, I mean, the shit on the shit is already on their hands. They have blood on their hands. Keep forgetting about that. Uh, so you know. But anyway, let's not go there. It's all the episode. It's all film. We begin with uh, Miss Lashana Lynch. Oh, Miss Michelle Lashana Lynch. Um, so uh, I saw this. Uh, I read this uh, nice interview uh, between her and uh, Annabelle Nugent of the Independent. And, uh, yeah, she, you know, she talks about Bond, obviously. Obviously, she's, you know, co-starring that. Uh, but, you know, she talks about uh, a new drama uh, on I- I- Ear for Eye, which I think is dropping on Saturday this weekend, if I remember correctly. Um, hopefully, it'll say, down, say somewhere here. And, uh, yeah, she just talks uh, Jamaican heritage and other things. It's, it's a fascinating, just a little piece. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, worth getting to know Miss Mich- Miss 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 Mich- Lashana Lynch. Fucking hell, I can't speak today. Um... Yeah, if I will premiere at um, the PFI London Film Festival, which is not yet, uh, the last time I'm going to mention that, and uh, BBC Two and I play on the 16th of October. So, uh, you know, if you guys are on that, get on that. Um, you know, just go go give it a pin. Go give it a spin. And, uh, yeah, let's jump into this interview because, um, yeah, why not, get to, why not get to know the person that I feel should just be given the keys to all of this uh, Bond shit? But anyway, uh, there was a talk of tampons appearing in No Time to Die. Somewhere between Daniel Craig killing his billionth bad guy and guzzling his gazillionth martini, there it would be, the bright-coloured little wrapper of a feminine hygiene product. That's not very James Bond, some would say. Of course, they'd like they'd likely say the same thing about the person who came up with the idea, Lashana Lynch, the first woman 007. Quote, I didn't want to I didn't want to pass a moment where we could really push the needle forward in a long-running franchise, she says, of the tampon appearance. The scene didn't make the final edit, but Lynch need not worry. Uh, she's shaken and stirred the franchise, nevertheless. That was, that, was t- that was too easy. Too easy, guys. Too easy. Anyway, uh, Lynch's face is everywhere. Her cropped cut and soft cheekbones, grace billboards, tabloids, posters on the tube, and practically every screen and every theatre across the UK, if not the world. Today, though, on Zoom, her camera is off. Instead, her voice rings out from a digital abyss. Lynch speaks in long and considered sentences with a directness similar to her No Time to Die character, Nomi a black rectangle that affords the 33-year-old a respite from the camera for the first time in a long time. Following 18th Mandalay, No Time to Die premiered last week, and it has been pedal to the metal. Pedal to the metal. See, I like how pe- when people say that, you know what I mean? You say pedal to the metal, but you're saying metal wrong. You know what I mean? It's just pedal to the metal. Uh, so I, I, don't, I, I don't know how to say that saying at all. But anyway, just phonetically, it doesn't work for me. Um... It's not the actor's first go on the Pubbers T conveyor belt. Her role as uh, Maria Rambo, a US Air Force pilot and BFF debris license superior in 2019's Captain Marvel, gave her some inkling of what to expect. But the new 007 in the Bond film, the new black female 007, that's the big time. The confetti has barely settled though, and Lynch's next release is only days away. In Ear for Eye by Debbie Tucker Green, um, I, I've, I've just no- I've noticed something. Um, they always put Debbie Tucker Green, Debbie Tucker Green's name in with no capital lettering. 
it jars the hell out of me, and I'm wondering if that's a if that's a just a thing that I don't know. Uh, is that a creative decision? I don't know, but it's just annoying to look at. Anyway, in here for I uh, by Debbie Tucker Green, the BAFTA winning playwright of lowercase initials. Ah. Oh. Annoying and capital erubitions. <laughs> uh, Lynch stars as a college student opposite Dimitri Gossit 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 Sass uh, grossly patronising white male professor. It's a role she played before in, t- in the twenty eighteen uh, stage production. Lynch was part of an almost black cast, uh, almost all black cast, uh, performing vignettes about police racism in the US and the UK. It was momentous, and it remains so now in its film adaptation by the BFI and BBC. Not just for its contents, but for its timing. If I was shot in 2020, uh, the year that saw a worldwide Black Lives Matter movement. Indeed, the ideas raised in which Lynch's character is verbally railroaded by an old white man who belittles, interrupts, and gaslights her every turn feels like vital viewing. But Lynch is careful not to overhype the achievement. Quote, of course I celebrate it, she, con- she concedes. But I refuse to be elated about one project with an all-black cast. That's not good enough for me or for my career. The world is so used to giving black people the scrap, she says, saying, congratulations, you've got your one, uh, you've got your one, and now we can move on. Most studios I've met with, most theatres I've sat in and worked in have had their one black play, their one black film, or their one black lead, and they feel really happy with themselves, and they shouldn't, and we shouldn't, uh, and we should tell them they shouldn't. Uh, unquote. Uh, change won't be made with just uh, one a year, although I can confirm it, the actor's eye roll is almost audible. Ironically, it's the same. It's this same criticism that was levelled at the Bond producers after Lynch's casting was announced. Her big reveal was the new 007 and p- potential recipient of the Aston Martin Keys drew both praise for attempts at progression and criticism for some cor- from some corners accusing the franchise of ticking a box or two. Black tick, woman tick, but through Lynch, no meat is no tick box. Sure, spy gadgets and the bulletproof vest help her look the part. Power polo necks and chic highway slacks uh, give the character her own take on the off-duty model look, synonymous with James Bond. But Lynch en- lends Nomi uh, something all her own, a grit and grace that even Italian tailoring can't explain. In Nomi, there is a guarded vulnerability that belies, uh, that belies? Yeah, belies an icy veneer. Uh, there is. This is an agent who has no doubt worked. Uh, no, who has no doubt worked doubly hard to gain access to Ian Fleming's very white, very male universe. All for her predecessor to stroll back in and threaten that newfound hard-earned status. Lynch plays a character on the defensive, at least initially. The actor credits Barbara Broccoli, longtime producer of the James Bond films, for Nomi's richness making it to screen. Quote. One thing Barbara does uh, very well is listen, she says. She's the kind of white producer who will have a black actor in the cast and actually have conversations about their black experiences and what they think the character and the script should be like, unquote. Lynch believes it's this willingness of non, uh, non-black non members of the world to ask questions and listen uh, that will create, lo- create lasting change, quote. Uh, there are people weighed down by things that they don't even know they're doing wrong because they're blind to it. Uh, I understand everyone has blind spots, but I think it boils down to listening, unquote. 
Sometimes, though, listening is not advised. When reports emerged in July 2019 that Nomi had been assigned the vaunted 007 moniker, the rumour mill roared to life. Fans quibbled over whether she, a woman, brackets, uh, would be taking over the Bond mantle. Sadly, but predictably, the trolls soon emerged. Being the target of noxious online abuse is a harrowing experience, one that Lynch describes as a, quote, a different, uh, a different version of what my ancestor went through. Unquote. Of course, she stipulates, quote, theirs t- looked very different, and it was very, very different. Uh, but in terms of, again, quote, social media, the internet, and the world, uh, this was just another version of oppression, says the actor. I, I don't like people calling them trolls, because honestly, most of them aren't even trolls. They're just pieces of shit that actually genuinely don't give a fuck. Like, tro- trolling, in my mind, has a form of just like bad joke to it like that kind of tinge where like okay that was just trash and you're trash for that joke right but most of the time it's literally just people trying to get a response and obviously that's part of trolling but like there's just there's just a there's a level up there where trolls isn't the word for it you know what i mean racist maybe (laughs) misogynist maybe you know what i mean just Something a bit more permanent. How about that? You know what I mean? So, so I, I just feel trolls is a bit is a bit too loose of a term to use there. But anyway, uh, Lynch hasn't paid attention to the trolls uh, for a long time, though. In fact, she now feels grateful for them. Quote: I know that if I get sick for something, uh, or if someone doesn't like what I'm doing, or they find me too frank or overbearing, then I'm probably doing something right or radical. In the case of Bond, I'm doing both. Unquote. She pauses, and I think she's finished on the subject, but she pushes on, pushes on. Quote, The less we pay attention to the trolls, the more we can actually get things done, she loves. And you don't have to ask me again, you know. You can ask another amazing question that makes you feel good, that makes me feel good, unquote. On to feel-good things then, or at least bittersweet ones. Lynch's arrival into the Bond franchise dovetailed with Craig's swan song. Anyone who's seen the film could confirm it's an affecting exit, to say the least. On set that day, emotions ran high. Lynch brought her mum along to witness the era-ending moment. Uh, quote, we got the cast and crew jerk pan with jerk chicken on site and patties, she recalls. Uh, her mum made Sorel, a Jamaican drink made from hibiscus flour. We wanted to bring that Jamaican vibe we had at the beginning of Shoes, past No Time to Die Place, Take Place in Jamaica, where Ian Fleming also wrote Bond novels. To the very last day, she explains. The sun had set by the time Craig gave his goodbye speech, a humble 22nd affair that Lynch considers herself lucky to have witnessed. All the more lucky to have witnessed it with her mum. As an actor, you want to keep it about you. But it's really about who you come from, she says. Who and where Lynch comes from is never far from her mind. At the premiere of No Time to Die last week, the actor wore a glorious canary yellow Vivienne Westwood gown. Embroidered on the back was a doctor bird, the national bird of Jamaica. It's, quote, it's everything that I am, replies Lynch, uh, when I ask about the connection to her heritage. Though she was born in Shepherd's Bush, a second generation uh, Jamaican child of a Windrush family, it was only outside the walls of their West London home that Lynch actually felt British. Uh, it's not so much a question about staying connected to my Jamaican culture, she says. Uh, it's more about teaching people that my culture is what comes first. I guess I have to remind myself that the world doesn't necessarily know where I'm from, unquote. Lynch was one of three siblings growing up in a home with a quote-unquote creative buzz. Her grandfather owned a record shop and her godbrother is a choreographer. Although there are, there are no actors in the family, she can count multiple DJs, quote... I never had to have any awkward conversation convincing my parents that I want to sing or act, which is an honour and a privilege, really, she says. Lynch was a, full, was a singer before turning to 
her attention full-time to acting. That being said, she'll put her voice to use as Miss Honey in next year's film adaptation of Matilda the Musical. Oh, nice. Uh, Lynch's big break seemed to have arrived uh, in 2012, athletics drama Fast Skills. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Uh, but that came and went. Then there was her scene-stealing role opposite Lenny Henry in the 2015 production of Educating Rita. Uh, but that seemed to dissipate like a deflated balloon. As did her lead role in the Shonda Rhimes uh, produced uh, period drama Steel Star Crossed. Uh, such letdowns take a toll on a person, even an ace secret agent. Quote, I come from a good stock, but there is something uh, that happens when you keep getting knocked back, says Lynch. It had been heart-wrenching, it, it had been heart-wrenching, damn, uh, for her to see everything revert to square one. But now Lynch sees those moments for what they truly were. Well, mum would call setbacks for a setup. Uh, she delivers the adage with a mock theatrical flair. Uh, what a setup it turned out to be. Within two years, Lynch entered two of the world's biggest franchises. And although we've said goodbye to Mar- Marvel's Monica Rambo, excuse me, it would be silly and frustrating to see Nomi's place in Bond relegated to be a token one-off. Equally, though, it's hard to see producers handing over the reins to a woman. But maybe there is a different path for Lynch. Since Amazon acquired MGM earlier this year, a Bond spin-off series feels increasingly likely. Given the timing to no- of No Time to Die and its ending... Uh, all its signs point to Nomi as a potential protagonist. So far, Broccoli has ruled out a move for TV for the franchise, but dot dot dot, never say never again. Uh, I put all this, I put this all to Lynch, adding that I wish I could see her face for me, for any subdermal twitch or knowing smile. Uh, quote: It's straight. My face is very straight. It's not doing anything at all. She assures me with a throaty chuckle that makes it clear her face is anything but. I love Nomi and it would be incredible to dive into her world more. She ventures when I dig the details, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm grateful that fans have fallen for her, though. Unquote. It's time for the obvious question, the answer to which makes people either angry, hopeful, or increasingly apathetic about the whole, pote- whole perennial debate. Should the Bond mantle be passed on to a woman? The more important question, answers Inch, is when do we give a woman the lead of her own franchise? The actor is frank- thankful that uh, conversations like this are one like this one are happening that Jodie Whittaker starts in Doctor Who for example quote but if we constantly say woman you are now you are now taking over a man's role instead of establishing our own rightful position in this, play, in this space then we are not doing right by our sex unquote well Nietzsche continues actually quote and we're teaching our young girls that we can only be a replacement that we are not good enough to have our own space which is bizarre to me and also a real mind dot 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 she stops in her tracks and laughs. She is clear she's a she's a mum well rehearsed. Mum well rehearsed in the art of cutting off a profanity. It's a mind mess uh, that I don't want to teach uh, my daughter, nor will I. I don't know why we're being so complacent in these conversations. I think it's lazy for us to think a woman can just take over all and feel, feel like that's good enough, unquote. Which is worry about the supposed progress of our industry and also society as a whole, quote. I'm very, very reluctant to use the word change because I don't actually see any, she says. I see a lot of shifts. I see a lot of tit-for-tat responses to things. Responses to the spike in the BLM movement. Uh, uh, conversations that happen around the headline, but then splat, nothing happens. That's how I know real change isn't happening anywhere, everywhere, unquote. Regarding her roles in Bond, Marvel and even Turner, Turner Green's arresting ear for eye... Uh, she is similarly cautious to celebrate. Quote, There's some really nice headlines that can come with that, come with what I'm doing in my career, which is nice, dot, 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 momentarily, unquote. But 
And this is a big but. As Vince reminds me, there is still much, much more work to be done. So I've kind of gone over on time just for the sake of reading it all, and I didn't want to read it all. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, she's she's she is fascinating. I I like the. I like the attitude she has just overall and her and her scope of the bigger picture. That's kind of the main thing that has really drawn me to her as a as a uh, as an actress in general and just like as a person in the arts, you know. Um it's not it's not about female bond, it's not about that, it's about why have the replacement thing going on, you know what I mean? And that makes sense. And that's kind of why I don't want a black bond or a female bond. How about no bond how about yeah, I said it. How about yeah? Fuck it. That was a Freudian slip, but I said it. How about no Bond at all? How about that? Because let's be real, Bond as a character is fucking boring. Let's just do that. Let's start there, right? And if we're going, and if we're gonna go for this, I'm gonna try and keep this under a minute, right? Uh, it, this manifesto of <laughs> fuck Bond, right? If we're gonna do this, right? Um, how I don't think it would actually work because Bond is in his essence is a curmudgeonly white guy, right? And the privilege just rolls off him, right? You can't do that for a black guy. Let's just be real. You can't. It doesn't work, okay? It just might. And it's how I see it. If I was watching a black Bond, I'll be just like, eh. You know what I mean? I, I just, I just feel, it would just feel different. And that's why I don't watch James Bond in general, because I just don't care. I don't care. I love the music, but I don't care. It's it's a it's a dead character around a very extravagant world, and that's just jarring. How about make the character also extravagant in some way? You know what I mean? Have have some depth. That'd be great. Instead of the dude, oh wow, he drank a Heineken on <gasps> that one film. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, I that's my manifesto for fuck Bond in general. Um, but honestly, I w- I I would like you know if if Shana would like to, I would like for her to just like do go for that spin off. Give her some keys. Give her some keys because I feel like she would boss it. So we move on to our second segment, and this is all about uh, black queer love stories. Um, so I found this uh, article uh, by Trey Green from The Guardian, and uh, I just found it fascinating. I found it interesting, just um, you know, just conversation to have, and uh, you know, it's always, it's always one of those just um, things that are always on the precipice, right? Always on the outside, and there's always like you know that that film like Moonlight, for example, that you know breaks through. But it's interesting how it just how it, it just, the people just don't. Um, I don't know. Capitalize on it, I guess. Um, they capitalize on a lot of things, like you know, reboots. Uh, you know, always a thing. Um, uh, there was a trailer for another Home Alone, so there's that, right? So <laughs> it's just fascinating. I guess it's because because like you know, it's it's IP that people know of. Yeah, I get it. It's so it's it's t- it's too easy now. It's too easy to think about. It's too easy to just go. Uh, hmm, hmm. Oh, what have we got? What have we got? Oh, yes, Home Alone. That was good. Uh, twenty years ago. Let's uh, let's reboot that. Yeah, it's easy. It's t- it's too easy for Hollywood. It's just extremely easy. There's nothing new under the sun. Under the sun. Under the sun. Um, it's it's too easy. So uh, while I don't really care about Hollywood in general, um, I just found this uh, you know, just conversation interesting because it doesn't have to be Hollywood. You could apply this to a lot of things. So, um, I thought it was worth the read. So let's get into it. 
On 12th of May, screenwriter Kirk A. Moore took to his Twitter page calling for his black gay followers to share images of themselves with their black partners. The now viral thread seemed uh, seemed like a simple request, with it racking up uh, more than 3,000 retweets and over 7,600 likes as black couples uh, shared their photos together. And Twitter users posted comment after comment, sharing their joy and engaging with the thread, celebrating diverse body shapes, skin tones, ages and regional backgrounds. Uh, but in a response to comment on the post shortly after it went live, Moore revealed that his photo challenge had an even deeper motivation behind it, to call out the lack of visibility of black couples across fil- TV, film, and other forms of media. Quote, I'm tired of these people not showing us black couples. They exist everywhere, unquote. Moore wrote in his reply to the comment, a statement easily supported uh, by a quick assessment of the makeup of gay couples across both TV shows and films being produced by major studios and networks. Black gay male couples remain a rare occurrence across Hollywood TV and film productions. More regularly, uh, black gay characters are paired with non-black partners, where the most prominent pairings are made of black and white or black and Latino partners. Uh, examples of this casting norm include Empire, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, True Bloods, and the newly added animated couple in the upcoming reboot of The Proud Family. While on film, uh, Just Love Simon comes to mind. In GLAD's most recent Studio Responsibility Index, only two black LGBTQ plus characters were found in a year's worth of wide releasing movies. There are a handful of productions that have centred black gay couples, like the Academy Award winning film Moonlight, which was written by the black gay screenwriter to Alvin McCraney and directed by Barry Jenkins. FX's Pose featured two black gay couples, during its three seasons, Omar Little on The Wire also had two uh, black boyfriends during the series duration from 2002-2008. But typically, black gay characters and their relationship are relegated to B storylines if they receive any true development or inclusion in the script at all. Quote, One of the inherent powers of film and television productions is it allows for the expansion of broader horizons. These art forms allow us to occupy the subject position of another person. Unquote. Dr. Artel Great, Black Cinema, that's a great name, Artel Great, boss name, uh, Black Cinema Historian and Endowed Chair in African American Cinema Studies at San Francisco State University School of Cinema. That's a long ass, <laughs> that's a long ass occupation. Okay, uh, told The Guardian, uh, quote, continuing on, quote, sadly, what this amounts to in the dominant industry is watching works that predominantly allow us to move through the world from subject position, from the subject position, from the subject position of a straight white man. And what we need culturally are more voices to amplify the social significance of life on the margins. Uh, Another quote, this process of demarginalization can help increase appreciation for cultural differences and help revise the terms of black and gay, the terms of engagement for black queer stories to be able to proliferate and flourish in the broader society, unquote. But in the absence of narratives about black gay couples on major entertainment platforms, instead, independent TV shows, web series, and movies have filled this representation gap over the past two decades. The logo series Noah's Ark is an essential piece of black gay TV history and regularly referenced example of the long-lasting influence of black of these black queer productions. The groundbreaking show was this, was the first scripted series to feature an all-black gay ensemble cast and storylines that centered black gay experiences. It remains the only scripted series from a major network to centre a cast of black gay characters. Noah's Ark, which was created by Patrick Ian Polk, uh, initially started as a web series with one hour pilot episode being independently produced by Polk and released in 2004 online. 
It was then picked up by Logo as the network's first scripted series in 05. The show aired on Logo for two seasons until it was abruptly cancelled. Uh, I think Noah's Ark was important because it gave black men permission to be vulnerable with one, an- uh, with one another. As friends, as lovers, as a community, said Daryl Stevens, who played Noah Nicholson in Noah's Ark. Black men are often socialised to believe that uh, being soft-spoken or emotionally honest with each other is a sign of weakness, but Noah's Ark showed vulnerability as a strength, unquote. As the mid-2000s gave way to the 2010s, a new class of black gay indie web series, shorts and films, began to debut, taking advantage of the ease of building a following on still-evolving video sites like YouTube and the national reach they could easily gain through these platforms. Web series like Freefall, DL Chronicles, Finding Me, Triangle, and In the Deep were just a few of the productions that began driving conversations among the black queer community and high engagement of their, on their YouTube, Vimeo, and other social media platforms in the early to mid-2010s. With the addition of feature films uh, and shorts like uh, Darius Clark Monroe's Slow, uh, there were a variety of narratives being explored through these indie productions, with black gay relationships being a key element in each of these shows. For, each, for, for filmmaker Lamont Pierre, uh, who has created and directed numerous LGBTQ plus uh, focused films and web series like Talking with the Taxman about poetry, Miles Plus Cow, Kaleidoscope, Redskin, and the uh, popular Freefall. The growth of these web series was an opportunity to expand the idea of how stories about black queer men and their relationships can be told. Um, how have I got? Oof, I'm way over time. Uh, <sighs> Right, I'm trying to find a good place to uh, just um, continue on, uh, just because I don't want to go over time. Um, I'll give you the last, parag- last few paragraphs. Uh, quote, for the film Moonlight, the director Barry Jenkins, during the press junkets, went out of his way to communicate that he was a cisgender male. He directed a beautiful film, yet the voice of the film was not Jenkins' voice. The voice of the film was writer to our from McCraney's. It's McCraney's story and his voice that makes the film so powerful and resonate with audiences. Jenkins did a good job. Jenkins did a good job visualising the film, but without the voice of McCraney, there is no film to visualise, unquote. And that is a great point. That is a real great point. That's, that's kind of why I love Moonlight in general. Um, just, anyway, I might, I might get there. I may not. I've already talked about it before. Um, and after uh, playing a major role in one of the all-time... Uh, all-time best no black gay series, that's what really, Stevens has a straightforward mission to keep celebrating the beauty and universality of black gay men and their love stories through his work. Because the visibility of these narratives is most important to the black queer community that remains eager for TV and film characters that reflect their own lived experiences. Quote, I'm working on a CBS sitcom sitcom called Be Positive right now, an openly black gay man on a major network every week, Stevens says. I'm not writing any of it, so the stories and the people... My character interacts with aren't up to me. I'm just doing my can to remain visible for those who need to see themselves. Unquote. And um, that's uh, Daryl Stevens, by the way, um, uh, which I've obviously uh, skipped uh, his name uh, during the article. But yeah, um, I just yeah, I just found this interesting. I feel like it's one of those conversations that you know is um, you know worthy of uh, conversation um, a lot. Um, I I rarely uh, I I have a you know apart from Brooklyn Line Nine, which I used to watch, um, the shows that were mentioned. Uh, Kimmy Schmidt and the others, uh, I I haven't I haven't seen. Um, I know a lot. I know a lot of people that really enjoyed Pose. I am someone that really loves Moonlight. It's one of my top ten films of all time. Um, just an amazing experience just watching it. And uh, yeah, I feel like it's always it's all it, it's films like Moonlight for me personally. I keep I, I hate to make this you know the thing uh, for me, but it's the only way I can like you know dive into this point. 
I'm trying to make, which is, it's films like that, and works like that, that really help someone like me, but other people, I assume as well, that, you know, are not gay, alright, I'm not, I'm not gay, uh, <laughs> I'm mixed race, but I'm not gay, and, uh, you know, so I can gain, you know, the essence of black experience, right, when I watch a film, right, um, but, you know, the homosexual experience, I do not understand. I do not, well, okay, I want to say understand. Uh, yeah, well, actually, no, I probably don't understand. I probably don't. Um, but I think it's always worthy because there is a lot of, I mean, shit, I fully understand white culture, So, but I don't want to. <laughs> so, you know, I've been force-fed that shit for all my life, so why not be, you know, not force-fed, but, you know, just uh, given something different. It's always good to have something different, you know what I mean? Just get a different taste. Um, instead of just like, oh, white guy does this, oh my gosh, that'd be great, um, you know, just, just, just Seinfeld babies, I'm good, thank you, I'm good, so, um, more black, more, more black queer, uh, gay men in, in, uh, in films and, and, and more popular TV, because obviously they are about, and if you want to find them, you can probably find them, um, but let's make them more accessible, you know, just, just, let's, let's try and make them a bit more mainstream, just for, for the, for the culture. Then move on to our first topic, and uh, yep, we're gonna do it. Let's talk about Dave Chappelle. Let's just do it. Let's get over with, right? Let's get the point out. Uh, everyone said, um, but to be honest, there's a couple more points. Hopefully, I remember them. <laughs> I had to, I had some I had some pointers. Like I was thinking about last night. I was just like, oh, those are good. I did write them down. So hopefully, hopefully, I remember them by the end of this. But regardless of which, uh, you know, we'll get it. We'll, let's, let's, let's get into it anyway. So uh, this is uh, Dave Chappelle refuses to evolve via under uh, via the undefeated, ran by Justin Tinsley's John Prime. <sighs> they say that pride becomes comes before the fall, but it's jealousy that more times than not uh, leads to war, and that's currently what Dave Chappelle finds himself in. Early on in the closer, the legendary comedian's final Netflix stand-up, Chappelle brings up the baby and how the rapper flew way too close to the sun with his anti-gay tirade of rolling loud. Chappelle says society cared more about what was said to the LGBTQ community rather than what was done to a black man. It is true that the baby in 2018 shot and killed a 19-year-old man in North Carolina Walmart. Yet what Chappelle failed to mention was that the baby has always claimed it was self-defense. Brackets, the victim's family refused that. But Chappelle took it a step further. Quote, I'm jealous. I'm not the only black person that feels this way, he said. We blacks. We look at the gay community and we go, God damn it, look how well that movement is going. And we've been trapped in this predicament for hundreds of years. How the fuck are you making that kind of progress, unquote. The flaw here is that despite Chappelle claiming that he's talking to the white community, he failed to offer any context to race and sexuality, in particular how the black community is grappling with acceptance. That's the maddening part about it all, because the comparison just doesn't land, nor is it accurate. Neither does the assertion that black folks would have been a free would have been free a century sooner had there been baby oil and booty shorts, as if the same sex relationships only began in the twentieth century. I, sh- I followed Chappelle for the last quarter century, which is why it's so de- heart- disheartening to see him plot a flag on this hill. 
Chappelle's decision to pursue the always flawed game of oppression Olympics between black folks uh, fighting for liberation and the LGBTQ communities fight for equal rights is inaccurate. Black LGBTQ folks have been foundational elements of both movements and continue to be. Uh, shout out to Bayard Rustin. Uh, when I learned about his story, I was just like, fuck. That's crazy to think about. So go look up Bayard Rustin as a nice name for you guys to look up as, as homework. Uh, and continue to be. Chappelle mentions he misses the days of Stonewall, referring to the uprisings in June 1969 after police... Uh, raided the Stonewall Inn, a gay club in New York, helping lead the charge in those demonstrations were, yeah, helping the lead the lead the charge in those demonstrations were two black LGBTQ forces in Marsha P. Johnson and Storm A. Delavery, 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 yeah, uh, and then of course there are people such as author Audre Lord, uh, civil rights activist Bayard Rustin, hey there you go, uh, one of Chappelle's biggest inf- uh, and one of Chappelle's biggest influences, James Baldwin, all of whom saw the value of their race and sexuality and how the fight for both was critical to their survival and future generations. In the closer, Chappelle recounts a story about having uh, the cops called on him by a gay white man in Texas. Quote, and this. The thing that I'm describing is a major issue that I have with that community, he said. Gay people are minorities until they need to be white again, unquote. Chappelle's addressing white people, but he, but he does very little to protect the queer and transgender men, black men and black women who live in both worlds and fight both fights. At the closest conclusion, Chappelle pleads for the LGBTQ community to stop punching down on his people. Punching down, in essence, is what Chappelle has been doing the last several years to a community that includes people who look like him, even if they aren't, uh, in even if they aren't his intended targets. That's nearly unforgivable to a man who says he fights for black folks every day. When Chappelle returned to the national stage in 2017, it was clear that much had changed since he had last filmed his heralded sketch comedy show. George W. Bush wasn't president any longer. America's first black commander-in-chief had come and gone, replaced by a white reality TV star who lived in the White House, in part to in part due to America's fear of a black planet. Nice homage to public enemy there, Justin. Gay marriage was expanded to all 50 states. Quote, don't ask, don't tell was, was repealed. Uh, unquote. Um, black Lives Matter happened. The Me Too movement was uh, exposing the depths of sexual assault and rape inside the entertainment industry and out of it. Voices that had been long over- overlooked or silenced were now boldly fighting for the right to be heard and live. On the surface, it was a climate ripe for someone like Chappelle, whose vivid storytelling and gut-wrenching pu- uh, punchlines separated him from many other comedians. But with each passing Netflix special, it's become quite clear that Chappelle has made LGBTQ plus people a larger focus because he himself has not moved on. Much of the recent critique of, the, of Chappelle has been about how he addressed the trans- transgender community. These niggers want me dead, he claimed. Anyone who has studied his performances, Chappelle reasoned, would know he had never he never had beef for the transgender community. This might have been this might have made some sense uh, had he not claimed to be a team tur- team turf. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I didn't watch this fucking show. Jesus Christ, what a waste of my time. Fuck me. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, team turf, quote unquote, and balked at the notion of transgender women being real women just moments later. Quote, all oh, this gets better. If you listen to what I'm saying clearly, my problem has always been with white people. I have been arguing with the whites my entire career, Chappelle stated. Just when I thought I had you guys on the ropes, you changed the rules, unquote. 
This is true to an extent. Chappelle's major antagonist, Muse, slash Muse, during his time in the spotlight, has been breaking down the gross miscarriages of justice carried out by white people and black folks. And it's no secret that white supremacy exists in the white queer community. Yet it is also true that, on all, on all of his specials, Chappelle had the opportunity to highlight the violence inflicted on the black transgender community, and largely dropped the ball or didn't care to dribble it in the first place. The same black community Chappelle pledges himself to is the same community that rallied around the murder of George Floyd by a police officer and made it an international cause. That included the very same community Chappelle claimed the baby uh, punched, <laughs> quote, right in the AIDS, unquote. And in so many ways, it's the same community that drops the ball whenever it, uh, not just Chappelle either, doesn't ride for the killing of Tony McDade, a black transgender man uh, killed by police just two days after Floyd, or the death of transgender activist Monica Roberts. Uh, that type of recognition from a figure as influential as, as Chappelle sometimes help shift the entire narratives. Because that's exactly what Chappelle did by telling this touching story of his friend, a white transgender woman named Daphne Dorman, who ended up dying by suicide days after being dragged on Twitter for defending Chappelle's stance towards the transgender community. It was frustratingly hilarious to hear Chappelle say repeatedly how she bombed while opening for him in San Francisco. He humanised her in a way that made every joke he told about her feel less invasive. Eventually, it was Dorman who told Chappelle, quote, I don't need you to understand me. I just need you to understand that I'm having a human experience, unquote. The frustrating part is she was right. But it wasn't just her being transgender. It was Chappelle humanising a white transgender woman when that's all the conversation has ever boiled down to for years within the black transgender community. That desire to be seen as human and not a source of ridicule. Earlier this year, comedian Cat Williams spoke poignantly on the Joe Budden podcast about cancel culture. In particular, a comedian's ability to apply his art to the times instead of forcing the times to accept his art. There's a quote that stuck with me and influences how I, how I view Chappelle now. Quote, Look, if these, if these are the confines that keep you from doing the craft God put you, uh, God put you to, then it probably ain't for you, Williams said. I'm saying your job as a comedian is to please the most people with your art. So if you want to offend somebody, nobody took those words away from you. Uh, dirty beat, uh, I think bitch, uh, thing's the word. Uh, dirty bitch ain't been taken away. You can say that, but don't, but don't call somebody this word when you know this affects all these people. Don't use the R word when you really mean people on the spectrum. Don't say this word instead of saying autistic, unquote. That's the most frustrating reality about the closer. The frustrating reality about the last half decade for Chappelle, really. He's not a history teacher or an activist, but there is a responsibility that comes with the tongue as mighty as Chappelle's. When he talks, he has the power to shift discussions with that wicked combination of storytelling and delivery. And, at least in terms of this discussion, he's double, he's done the complete opposite. Chappelle says the closer is his last stand-up for some time. He says that he's done addressing the LGBTQ community, and that whatever he does uh, return... Whenever he does return, everyone will be laughing together. In the day since watching the Netflix special, I've asked myself this question a thousand different ways. Can Dave actually pull that off? The answer is, I don't really know. Yet, there is one thing for certain. Whenever he returns, the world will be different for what he is now. We all just have to wait and see if the same happens for Chappelle. <sighs> and that's the entirety of it. And um, I, remember one, I remember one thought um, I had uh, towards it. And... Um, Let's be real, right? 
it's it's something I've realised over the past, like uh, just I don't know, just uh, just in in passing, you know, in in, in in I've had the I've had this train of thought, you know, now and again when it comes to certain subjects, right? Or when you know when uh, when when something happens, I just like think, well, he's fine. So the f- uh, I remember both. There you go. So the first one is the term council culture. Um, I think if you're using that term, if you're using that phrase, you're either using it ironically or you're a fucking idiot. Simply put, um, I think the term is pointless now. It's, it, it's, honestly, probably, it's always been pointless, probably. If I really think, if you really think about it, it's always been a pointless exercise. Always been a pointless exercise to talk about you culture. It's not a culture. It's not a culture. What the culture is doing is evolving. That's what's happening. The culture is evolving. And it's trying so desperately to encompass more people. That's all it's doing. That's all the culture is doing. Okay? It's just trying to encompass more people. Right? And we're never, probably probably never ever, going to encompass everybody. There will always be a marginalised few. Always. It's just, it is what it is. Right? But it doesn't hurt to try. It doesn't hurt to attempt, okay? In the same fashion of, uh, you know, the previous segment and uh, of uh, black gay uh, men in film and television and other pieces of art, right? It's worth a try, you know? Um... So when it comes to that kind of stuff, I don't, I, I just don't care. Like as soon as you say those, those two words, I just, I tune out. I tune out. Unless you're using it for a joke, you have to. Excuse me, you have to be. Yeah, it's either a joke or, or you, you're being dead serious about it, and I can't entertain you like properly. I, I just can't. Um, which brings me to Dave, and my point overall, which um is probably, bit, I mean, out of all the things. <laughs> I'm I'm trying not to repeat, you know, regurgitate the same points, right? Because I feel like a lot of people you you probably have heard the same points uh, several times if you if you're in certain circles, right? Um, I don't think Dave cares um, because there will, he's Dave Chappelle, and I think he's acutely aware of who he is. Um, I, I and on the point of maybe his voice is so loud that it just pierces through shit. That's a that's that's what is what it is, right? But there's a difference between him, who, you know, has said shit, right? But he hasn't done shit, right? So go for someone like Louis C.K. who has done shit, but he's currently touring in the U.S. If, in, uh, to my knowledge, or has toured in the U.S. since uh, he he was quote unquote cancelled, right? Louis C.K. did shit. He also said shit, but because he said shit, sometimes it require it like people like that, Ricky Gervais, right? You know, all of those guys, right? That you know just really like to push the push the push the envelope, right? We're not saying that's not needed in this world, okay? There's always a need for button pushes when it comes to art, when it comes to comedy, and when it comes to life in general. Always need button pushes. Button pushes make the world move forward, okay? But when it comes to Chappelle, it's a matter of he's saying shit and he hasn't done shit. So in my mind, I just don't care. I just don't care. 
He's clearly tripling down on all of this stuff. Fine, whatever. You've literally lost a fan. Honestly, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's all. But that, but here's the thing. But here's the thing. When it comes to these kind, when it comes to people like Dave Chappelle, there will always be an audience for Dave Chappelle, no matter what. In the same way, people still watch the NFL, even though it is still a piece of shit league. Okay, there is a reason why people consume certain things. It's because they, in, at the end of the day, they can get over it. And there will be people that will, if if and and even on the and even on the subject of like Dave Chappelle, some people enjoy this shit. Some people love it when people get triggered over this shit. People love it more, and they'll go and watch that person. That's fine. Do you, man? If you if you feel your part part of your personality is enjoying the guy who loves shitting on transgender people, go for it, bro. Go for it. Do you, my guy? Do you? There will always be an audience for someone as big as Dave Chappelle. Okay, Drake could literally—I'm mm, not gonna say it—Drake could literally commit a crime, a gen, a, you know, a crime that people do not like because you know, obviously, in the case of the baby shooting a guy in quote unquote whatever allegedly self-defense—I'm not sure if it was or not. Right? We, people moved the fuck on. People were like, "Oh, self-defense? I oh, say less." Where's that new album coming? You know what I mean? But if someone, for Drake, for example, right, made a genuine crime that that people don't like, okay, because there's some crimes that people can, you know, get over. If it, if Drake, for example, made a crime, did a crime that people can't get over, hey, people still listen to R. Kelly's music, even though he has been convicted okay back to the point cancel culture does not exist okay and for Chappelle he is acutely aware of that so he can continue to say shit without actually doing shit and it's that difference that makes Dave Chappelle and all of these other people that love to push the envelope Teflon And for better or worse, it is what it is. So move on to our last segment, and uh, yeah, so I my my part in the past uh, week. I recently went to participate. Well, not participate. I went to I went to London uh, with my pops. Uh, we went to see The Harder They Fall uh, by James Samuel, uh, directed by James Samuel, featuring uh, uh, starring uh, the likes of uh, Jonathan Majors, uh, Idris Elba, Regina King, Zazie Beetz, uh, Licky Stanfield, uh, and a couple of other boss names that I really love and uh, for some reason have uh, uh, moved from my mind. Um, but yeah, amazing, uh, first of all, just, uh, you know, generally, an amazing film. And uh, it was if you haven't, well, obviously most of you haven't seen it because it hasn't dropped on Netflix yet, um, which is kind of the point I want to make today. Um, it's an ama- it's, it's just a great film. And if you, if you want to peep it, it's going to drop on Netflix on November the 1st, um, I think worldwide, I assume. 
And uh, yeah, give it a watch. It's a supremely stylish, um, just luscious looking, uh, well, not lush looking, but like, uh, you know, just just lush in a lot of ways. Uh, 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 music, especially. Oh, my gosh. The music, the music, the music. Oh, my gosh. Who knew reggae would slap on a Western film? Who knew? Who, who, who the fuck? What a combination. A combination that nobody else thought of, and it fucking worked. I love it. I love it. I, I'm here for all of that, right? Um... You know, minor the one minor gripe I have to I feel like I have to flag is that Zazie beats his character. Um, and uh, and as a note before I say this, um, all the characters and then that while the story is fictional, the names and the people that they portray um, were real people. Um, so for Zazie Beats' character, um, she was named uh, Stagecoach Mary, who was a real person. Um, and if you have seen Zazie Beats. Um, you will understand that the casting was all wrong for that. Um, Because Stagecoach Mary was a dark-skinned, plus-size black woman. And, uh, yeah, if you've uh, seen, uh, just, uh, if you haven't seen Zazie Beats, go go Google Zazie Beats, uh, because she's literally, um, yeah. Not that. um, Does not fit the bill on that front. Um, But, you know, it, it, it makes sense, and I don't mean that positively, because, um, you know, she's partly, you know, just the love interest uh, for Jonathan Major's character and you know what what it can't be Gabrielle Sidibe <laughs> you know what I mean so like, oh, oh well you know what I mean I mean I'm for I'm for it I, I'm here for honestly when it comes to me I feel like if you're gonna use if you're gonna use names do it properly like you know what I mean just cast properly that's if you're gonna do names cast properly but clearly they couldn't find anything on that front or they didn't feel like it would I don't know standards of beauty, all that kind of that conversation. Yeah, just yeah, it's just that it's just standards of beauty conversation. That's all it is. Um, but it's it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate on that front. But past that, it is a very very good film, and it's a very very nice watch. Um, I watched it in the I forgot what it's called. I think it's called the Southbank Center. Um, yeah, uh, it's not the BFI, but it's just, it's in Southbank. Near near the BFI IMAX, um, opposite Waterloo, and uh, yeah, it's just down the road basically in in South Bank, and uh, yeah, so I went to see it there, and uh, yeah, it was just amazing. It was just it was just good. It's uh, really nice big screen, um, how it should be, right? And uh, this is kind of the point I wanted to make overall. Um, you know, while I re- recommend the film highly, um, I feel bad for you guys. Honestly, I feel bad for most people. Um, I, bad for, I feel bad for all the people that haven't seen this film and won't be able to see this film in a, on a big screen. Um, this is kind of just the... This is becoming the thing now um, when, you know, uh, Netflix and Amazon Prime and all of those, you know, they're making, they're making their original films, of which, oh, how do they fall, is a Netflix original, right? Um, it's for Netflix, but Netflix is not a cinema. Netflix is a streaming platform. And the most way, and the most people are going to watch that is at best their sixty-inch screen TVs, right, and soundbars. But at worst, it's um, somebody's iPhone seven from you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like it's 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 shit. Like I I just I hate it. I really it, this is this this is the times where I'm just like fuck streaming sometimes, man. Because like you you if people deserve a chance to see this in cinemas. To f- see films like this in cinemas, um, but you know they're not going to do that unless it's you know something for something like this, which was uh, BFI London Film Festival, and uh, the day 
I went to I went to a, uh, is it a matinee screening? It was like a two. It's like two fifteen. Does that count as matinee? I forgot the term. I forgot the definition of the term. I know it's like in the daytime, but uh, is that matinee? Does that does that fit in the timestamp? Anyway, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I went there the day after the premiere, and um, you know, premiere happened the night before, and uh, you know, I saw the pictures. And I was like, oh, everyone's looking good, and, uh, and then we, me and my pops went to see it, and uh, you know, my dad made the classic joke of, uh, oh man, I didn't realize Sean was going to be there. I should have called him, like, see if he could cook us up. And I'm like, yeah, right, Dad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we managed to see it. Um, but yeah, I just. I, it's bittersweet thinking about it because, like, I'm gonna see people watch the Heart of the Day Fall and they're gonna be like, "Oh, it's great," and I'm just like, "Yeah, it is." But um, I don't know, man. It's like, you know what it's like. It's like hearing an album. Uh, it's like hearing an album on like a, uh, I don't know, just like a, just just like low quality MP3. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, you, okay, I'm good. I'm glad you enjoyed it, but. Damn, man, you did not get the full beans. You know what I mean? It's just my—it's just things like that. I always wish I saw the full beans, and and you know, I maybe maybe I'm being too dramatic over it. Um, because you know, most times where we seeing films, ninety percent of the films we see, um, are not in the cinema. Right? We see the new stuff, but you know, if we have if we want to watch, I don't know, Rear Window, where are you watching that? You're watching that on your TV, laptop, phone, whatever, right? So in some ways, you can be... It's cool because there was probably no way to see Rear Window, like in 2000, apart from if it was shown on TV, on, you know, somewhere on Sky or whatever, right? So, sure, I guess, it's cool. Um, but, yeah, it just uh, it's just the sharpness of it that in, in this case where it's just like, okay, immediately just streaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We show. Yeah, we had three days, three days of screenings at a uh, uh, London Film Festival. Now we're done. Yeah, we're good. Netflix now, all Netflix. That's all. That's the only way you can go look and get it on your phone. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's just, it's just. It don't, it don't taste good. It, it just doesn't taste good in my, in my, in, it, it just doesn't taste good to me. And that's for you guys, man. I feel bad for you guys. Like, if you didn't see that shit in the cinema, oh, 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 oh my gosh, the music, oh. It's just so good, man. It just oh, it's perfect. It's so perfect on that front. Um, but yeah, it, it was. It was apart from that, it was a good day. Um, you know, just nice day out to uh, day out to London, South Bank. Um, you know, I love South Bank as a just as a a place as a part of London. I love it. Um, you know, just going to the water. Um, it's a great place to take pictures. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just got some great places there. But overall, great experience. But um, yeah, I feel bad for you guys. I really do. Um, but you know, go go peep. If you're not bothered um, about, you know, the best experience, then it's all it's all well and good for you. You know, it, ignorance is bliss, I guess, right? But sometimes I just wish that, you know, uh, Netflix and these lot actually had a genuine cinema uh, rollout and then put it to Netflix. But, um, you know, Netflix is not Disney, unfortunately. Um, so uh, until until then, until they, I don't know get their own cinemas they there was recent like there was going to be like reports of that a couple of years ago don't know if that was actually going to happen now um so maybe that that'll be fine i guess but um until then i just feel a bit bittersweet about all of this and how this great film was seen three times in london in the in the in the place where it should have been 
and then the rest of rest of the time it's not going to be shown on people's TVs or crappy phones with cracks in them. And it's just depressing to think about, but that's the world we're in. Ladies and gentlemen, I shall finish there. For on the 5th End Podcast Network, I've been Charlie and it's been what's good. Intro music has been too much by Vanilla, you can uh, find his link in the full show notes. Thanks to Chill Breakers for the ability to use the track, you can also find their link in the full show notes. Thanks to Nappy High for the ability to use Charismatic for the interlude, you can also find his link in the full show notes. And with that said, I hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.